Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Space Jams podcast. I am your wonderful host, Jim Murphy, and today we have a very special guest, Jennifer Maxwell from JPL, the Project Systems Engineer for the Psyche Mission, mother of three children and three cats. Wonderful (laughs) to have you here, Jennifer. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, just one minor correction. I am only the deputy project systems engineer, oh, um, which alleviates a lot of the hard hard uh, decisions that uh, the actual project systems engineer has to make. <laughs> I just think so highly of you already that I, yeah, oh, I would have promoted you there anyway. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You're welcome to talk to my bosses. <laughs> I will. Now, Jennifer, I've been excited about this interview for, I think it's like almost a month now. It's very exciting that we finally get to speak with you. And as you've already corrected me so wonderfully, because I am a wonderful host, but still need plenty of correction. I want to ask you a little bit about your job as a deputy project system engineer of the Psyche mission. You want to tell us a little about it? Sure. Um, So... One of the things about aerospace missions is that they are a system of systems. And so there are, you know, smaller systems that are focused around just the flight computer or maybe one of the science instruments. And then there's the larger system, which is really how the entire spacecraft works together. Um, And so I'm kind of in that that larger realm. Um, And we have spacecrafts are usually divided up into the flight system, which is the part of the spacecraft that actually gets us into space or gets us through space to whatever destination we're going. Uh, We have the mission system, which is all about the people and the processes and the tools that we use on the ground to control the spacecraft. And then we have the payload system, which is really all about the science instruments. And so the project system sits kind of above all three of those realms um, and tries to make sure that somebody is uh, really holding together all three of the um, of the uh, work that those people are doing uh, to be able to create a coherent mission. Um, and so, you know, I think a lot of um, people don't really understand what systems engineering is, uh, especially if they're, you know, younger and um, still in school, it's really hard to understand what does a systems engineer do. Um, and systems engineering is really about interfaces and making sure that you're designing across the boundaries correctly um, and that you're really taking into account how two different components or multiple different components are going to work. Um, And so, you know, at the project system level, there are larger interfaces like the flight software that is controlling the payloads and the, you know, command dictionary that the ground uses, uh, but that then also has to execute properly on the flight computer. And so project systems engineers, um, you know, really try to make sure a lot of, uh, a lot of that holds together uh, and functions well. Um, you know, my day-to-day is a lot of interfacing with, um, with JPL as a whole. Uh, the other role that we have is to make sure that, um, that we follow all of JPL's best practices in the work that we do on the Psyche mission. Uh, and so there's a lot of oversight of, uh, of that as well as engineering um, and kind of overseeing the flight system, mission system, and payload system to make sure that we're going to have a, a great spacecraft when we're done building it. That's awesome. So it seems like you kind of talked about like three different subsystems that the project systems engineers kind of overlook. Is that for every single mission or is the project system always there and they kind of help out with every mission or are they specific to one mission at a time? Um, Most of the time it's specific to just one mission. Uh, Usually one mission is complex enough. Uh, No one human being can even understand all of the details of one mission uh, because it just takes so much to be able to operate in the space environment. Um, And so, yeah, so we work um, just focused on our one mission, uh, but just about every mission has a project systems engineer or equivalent um, kind of systems engineer sitting there uh, kind of at the top level overseeing uh, how everything's coming together. 
That's cool. And you know, so we just had Perseverance land, I think it was two weeks now. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was a JPL uh, mission as well. So did that have all the same characteristics of your Psyche mission that's going on? Uh, the organizational structure was a little bit different. Um, I think, you know, the Mars missions are even more complex because you basically have three different spacecrafts that you're designing, right? You have the crew stage, which gets you to Mars and the descent stage, which gets you through the atmosphere. Uh, and then the rover itself, which then does a whole other mission basically on the, um, on the surface of Mars. And so, uh, so those are organized a little bit differently in that um, we kind of have these subdomains across uh, the flight system and the payload system um, just to, I think divide the work up into more digestible chunks. Um, you know, Mars missions are, like I said, extremely, extremely complex. And so, uh, so they break it down a little bit more, but there still is um, what they call an integrated systems engineer that basically uh, is the equivalent of the project systems engineer. Well, that's pretty cool. Were you able to see the Perseverance land and everything? I mean, I guess the first, the live version was kind of that simulation, but I thought it was still spectacular. And it was really cool. Yeah. All the JPL people like cheer and everything. Yeah, it, it was definitely awesome. Um, it was my second Mars landing that I've uh, I've had a role in. Um, and so it was a little bit different for me this time. Um, you know, my first one was Curiosity uh, back in 2012. And I was, you know, in one of the control rooms there. Um, and that was a that was a very personal experience for me um, to be able to, you know, know that I had just worked as hard as I'd ever worked in my whole life and it actually turned out well <laughs> that it, it really worked it was unfortunately a surprise but a great surprise um, because when we test things um, there's so many uh, complex things that happen in the test environment that it never executes as, perf as perfectly as it does on Mars uh, so that's great um, but uh, Perseverance was my second Mars landing, uh, and I had already transitioned onto the Psyche project by then, so I was a little bit um, kind of outside. I wasn't in a control room this time, uh, but I was actually able to share the landing with my family, uh, which was very special because usually, you know, the family goes to Caltech and then the the people working at JPL or JPL. So it was nice to experience it with them, um, but it was a little bit of sensory overload. I had two different Zooms going with two different teams that I was um, you know, working with and JPL had a JPL wide Zoom going on. And then I was watching NASA TV uh, in the control room. Um, the biggest uh, thing that I noticed is that um, I had a time delay in, the, in my internet. So, um, so, you know, I was watching with one team and somebody had the, the animation of that was uh, fed from the telemetry up. And so I saw it land and we were all like, okay, does that mean it's good? But I had like a two minute delay waiting for the control room uh, that was on NASA TV to actually declare that the landing was good. So, um, so that was kind of a weird COVID thing that hopefully I don't have to experience again. Um, but it was still very exciting. Um, and, you know, getting to watch my kids' faces uh, as they're sharing the same experience with their class and knowing that, you know, I was able to contribute to that mission uh, was pretty awesome for them and pretty awesome for me to see as well. That's awesome. Yeah, I think the, especially like for your kids, like I always date back, I think my love for space comes from seeing the shuttle launch I'm, I'm not even certain which shuttle it was I've tried to figure out which day it was but it was so long ago and I was a kid and I can't really remember but mm -hmm. seeing that shuttle launch seeing uh curiosity or perseverance land on Mars like knowing it's there like that's a very cool thing that can inspire some great stuff having yeah. a having a mom who's also involved in it, I'm sure helps too <laughs> but, yeah, yeah it's uh it's nice when my kids will admit they're proud of me <laughs> <laughs> nice the, um, I gotta ask, so when I'm, when I was watching Perseverance, I know we're kind of sticking on Perseverance, but since you were in the cur curiosity, um, when you were in the room, mm -hmm. like, how is that energy? Because when you're watching them, uh, like from the outside, people are, like some people seem like a little nervously charged, like waiting for things to happen because there's that little bit of delay. Like you've been in the room, that's really cool. Like, like what were your emotions when you were in there? What were you thinking about the whole time? Oh man, um, 
it was crazy. Uh, you know, so I, I kind of alluded to the experience that we had in building curiosity. Um, and, you know, it was kind of 24 seven crazy testing for multiple years. It was really, really exhausting. Like I got into a habit of just, you know, working from three to five in the morning sometimes and those types of things. So, um, so it was exhausting personal work. Um, and then when we got closer to landing, uh, you know, I didn't have anything to do with the actual um, entry, descent, and landing sequence very much. Um, but when we got into the room, and you know, as I was starting to tell some of my friends, I'm like, okay, this is the landing system. This is how the sky crane works. So we're just gonna go through the atmosphere, and then a parachute's gonna come out, and then, you know, it's gonna break away, and then it's gonna slowly lower the rover down to the ground, and then it's gonna fly away and crash somewhere else. Like when you say that in English to like. A, somebody not involved in engineering, it's scary. It just sounds like we've lost our minds. <laughs> and so, um, you know, a lot of that kind of started to set in as we got closer. I'm like, wow, this is really insane. Um, and obviously, this was the first demonstration of the sky crane technology. Uh, so I was really nervous. Um, and, uh, you know, when we're in there, we're all kind of in it together. Uh, and we knew we weren't the ones on camera. There were cameras around, but they weren't um, gonna show the surface operations until later that night uh, because it was all about the uh, entry to sit and landing. Um, and so, you know, we're all just kind of looking at each other and, you know, nervously waiting. And then, you know, as it's working, you know, everybody's cheering and you're like, okay, is this actually gonna work? And then you hear touchdown confirmed. And I mean, it was all the emotions that you saw in the other room. It was tears, it was hugs, it was disbelief that we actually pulled it off. It was relief for all the hard work that we had done over the years. Um, it was it was all of that. And, um, you know, it was, it was incredible. And, you know, I tell a lot of students that I talk with, um, you know, it was incredible for me just from the pure accomplishment, right? From, hey, I was part of this engineering team that did this amazing thing. But then when we started to see the videos of other people watching the landing and of Times Square and all of that, still to this day, when I watch that, I tear up and cry because here I am lucky enough to pull off something incredible for myself. And now I'm seeing that not only is that incredible for myself, but that's incredible for humanity. Uh, and I had a part in that. I mean, it's, it's everything I ever dreamed of wanting to do uh, with my life. And so it really was a dream come true. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I was watching with my mother for the first few minutes and we both kind of like teared up. We were like, you know what? I have nothing to do with this, but like watching all these people working together and they're so happy that it happened and they made it. It's like beautiful. It's like a, a choir singing or you know, just watching people come together and make stuff happen is awesome. And that's what space is all about. So yeah. now, so you worked on Curiosity and now you have a new job. You've worn a lot of hats at JPL. Like you've had, I've been looking through your LinkedIn and there's like a bunch of different things you've been doing. So like, do you have a favorite job? Did you have like a favorite role you played or you know, are they all different and nice in the same way or? They all have been really different. Um, and awesome in their own ways. But um, I think, you know, the job on Curiosity was was kind of incredible personally and, you know, life-changing to land on Mars. Um, but the job itself was also one of my favorites. So I was in charge of making sure that the um, flight ground interface held together. And that's mostly the communication system, um, which, uh, for Mars missions, they have two modes of communication. They can talk directly to Earth, but at lower rates, or they can relay their data through the Mars orbiters um, that are orbiting Mars that then send the data back, and that allows us to get more data um, faster uh, back to Earth. And so it was an incredibly complex system, and, uh, and I really like to test things uh, because I'm naturally good at breaking them. And so it just works out that it's a, it's a good fit for me. Um, and so, uh, so I really liked those tests because they were so complex. And so, you know, every time that something would break, it's like, 
digging in this vast ocean of options for the treasure of the the smoking gun that you know is causing the problem uh, and so you know i really liked how much i had to learn about a lot of different things and i really like working with people <laughs> and so there was a, a wide variety of uh, team members there um, so that was really fun for me uh, and that's kind of where i learned how much i like uh kind of the build and test phase of our missions uh, because it is it is always surprising what doesn't work um but then the other job that i uh i really enjoyed and this is where you get more of the mother in me uh was um the first job that i had on per perseverance i was the manager for the test bed so basically for every rover we build that goes to mars we build another one that stays here on the ground and we use that to develop the rover that we're building uh, as well as operate it later on uh, and run our tests on it um and so that job was actually really special for me because i was able to build a team uh, myself and so a lot of what you know perseverance's landing was for me was you know on top of sharing it with my kids i got to share it with that team that team of young people that i was able to help bring into jpl and that you know kind of came in with this oh my god this is going to be awesome um kind of energy and uh you know show them the ropes and get them oriented into how to be an awesome engineer at jpl and then watch them experience the landing for the first time and uh that was really special um just being able to kind of build that team from the ground up and uh share those moments with them that's awesome the cool thing i thought you said was like it was a good job for you because you're good at breaking things and you kind of have to piece through and figure out what happened out of this you know big jumble of situations and just yesterday i think the you know elon musk's starship the sn10 landed which was awesome and then 10 minutes later it blew up and they're like what happened and they had their little um i think it's the boston dynamics uh robot dog go out and kind of look at it with the camera and everything and i'm just thinking there's this crumpled up you know soda can of a rocket out there and they gotta figure out what went wrong like after it landed so i just think that's that's really cool and it's kind of funny because it just kind of made me think of that but yeah so now we've had all our hats on but now it's all about psyche and mm -hmm. so psyche 16 I want to say the yes. asteroid is probably what well, is probably the most famous asteroid that people like to talk about because there's a bunch of myths about it and stuff. But mm -hmm. besides Bennu, because Osiris Rex was just there and it's about to pull back some some space dust for us. But uh, could you tell us a little about with the uh, mission with Psyche and what they're trying to do and what you're doing specifically? Sure. Um, so the psyche mission which is going to psyche it's a little hard to uh to say it eloquently um is uh is really about kind of understanding uh potentially well what psyche is made of and uh i think the leading theory is that it is a planetary core um and you know made of uh metal and um you know we really don't know very much about how planets form and what that core looks like uh, and it's something that we on earth can't really explore our own planetary core because we can't really drill to that center um, to be able to to understand it uh, and so by going to psyche uh, we're hopefully going to understand more about planetary formation as well as um, you know learning things that might apply here to earth uh, so it's pretty exciting um to get to go and uh and see what's there you know I, the thing i love most about space exploration in the first place is that there is so much to learn and there's just still so much that we don't know um that we'll never run out of questions that's for sure yeah i mean i come up with questions all the time and i find people <laughs> like you to help me answer them so that's that's my whole life really is just asking these questions and everything but that's awesome. Yeah, I think Psyche, they said, like, if we land there, it will be the first time we've landed on a supposed or supposedly metallic surface, because we've, you know, we've landed on Mars and the moon, and those have been made of like stone and kind of, uh, you know, smaller rocks, I guess. I don't really know exactly what to call it. But yeah, 
the you know the metallic service so i always thought that was cool and people say like you know if we took psyche and brought it back that would be a trillionaire and that's like kind of a myth like some people say it's true some people say it's not true and so it's definitely a very interesting um it's an interesting thing and it's very cool and we've talked about psyche before on the show awesome yeah. yeah um the economists love to theorize what would happen if uh that much wealth uh showed up but um not this time that's not what our psyche is about our our mission is really about the science and about understanding uh more about the planetary bodies uh so we'll we'll pave the way and we'll go there and then we'll wait for a commercial space to see if they want to try and make some money off of it yeah there you go now um the, the other you know the, the classic question like to ask here is how did you get interested in space besides its wonderfulness and obviousness you know like where was the beginning um well so i was lucky enough to grow up in central florida uh and so you know i think you mentioned the um the shuttle launches um you grew up pretty spoiled in central florida uh if you have a um a space interest at all because your class will take a break and we literally just walk outside and see the rocket launch right um and you know i have these images of the shuttle you know launching over at kind of it in in the nighttime and i can watch the reflection go across my pool and i mean it just it was totally inspiring to um to kind of be part of that space culture that central florida has so uh so that that part was really great um but then i had another influence that really kind of got me into space uh which was my grandmother and so my grandmother was the world's most awesome human in my humble opinion um she was a uh, world war ii pilot uh so she was part of the women air force service pilots the wasp program um back in world war ii and um so i was just so lucky to have that influence in my life you know she on top of being you know my best friend kind of person she was um you know she just garnered so much respect and so much awe uh, whenever people found out what she did and how kind of brave she was to break a lot of break through a lot of the um, boundaries uh, back then. And, you know, flying in and of itself, flying planes is scary enough. And, you know, there she was flying planes um, and also doing it in a world that really didn't think women should be doing that. Uh, and so, uh, so she was an incredible inspiration. Um, and as I was growing up and kind of getting into my more formative years where I was uh, trying to decide what I wanted to do with my life, um, she did all the right moves and would take me to a bunch of these um, women in uh, aviation conferences and I got to meet astronauts and, you know, she got me a VIP uh, viewing of um, one of the shuttle launches with uh, Eileen Collins, uh, who I believe was the first um, female uh, pilot of the shuttle program. Yeah. Uh, and so it like I, I just I was really spoiled. Uh, and that was great because it, you know, combine that influence with kind of my natural tendency to not want to get bored. And so I was like, Oh, space we will never be done asking questions about space, I can't possibly get bored. Um, you know, really just formed uh, that direction for me. Uh, and so I, I knew I wanted to be a part of it. Yeah. Wow. I mean, no wonder. I mean, my gosh, that's amazing. Talk about spoiled. I mean, I thought I was spoiled. I got to see a shuttle launch in Florida, <laughs> being a Maryland boy. And I got to see my mother took me to the like National Air and Space Museum in DC and the one in um, Chantilly. I mean, we went there a lot. And I was thinking, man, like I've, I've got it. And I, you know, I still believe that, but that's awesome. Like, that's so cool. Grandmother sounds uh, really cool and another thing this is kind of a coincidence but we're we're talking during women's history month mm -hmm. that's very cool you know we kind of highlight her a little bit highlight you and i i love it it's fantastic we even got to talk yeah. about eileen collins there that's amazing yeah there you go we really hit all our points there <laughs> really proud of us great <laughs> now one uh cool thing that you told me about that you did was you flew in a kc-135 and now i didn't know what that was when before we spoke but then we kind of talked about it and it's a really cool thing you want to explain a little bit 
Sure. Um, so the KC-135 uh, is uh, fondly known as the Vomit Comet. Uh, and uh, it's a NASA aircraft that flies uh, in parabolas. And as it's flying in those parabolas, uh, you're able to experience uh, different gravitational effects. So they do moon gravity, they do Mars gravity, and then they do no gravity. Um, and so it's used, uh, you know, to train the astronauts, uh, first and foremost, but also for um, a lot of experiments. Uh, it's the closest we can get on Earth to being in space. Uh, and so um, they, uh, NASA offered, I'm, I think they still offer it, um, a program for students uh, to design experiments and, uh, and be able to fly them on the Vomit Comet. And, um, you know, I, I went to, to MIT and MIT, I think a few years before um, I was there, had a class where their class project got to fly and that was just awesome. And so it was very well known uh, across my major that this was an opportunity. Um, and, uh, you know, my kind of, my good friend and um, kind of partner in our, my major, uh, we both decided we want to do that. Like we're not going to leave MIT until we've done that. Um, and so we decided we combine our senior project um, that we had to do anyway with proposing um, a, an experiment to fly on the KC-135. And, um, you know, we, we had a lot of great mentors in the faculty there um, who had been part of the program before. Uh, and we actually worked with JPL uh, to design an experiment that was a predecessor to, um, to what eventually is, uh, became solar sails. Uh, so we were testing different materials uh, in zero gravity to see how they deployed uh, and trying to learn stuff about that. So um, that was an awesome opportunity. And I'm really glad that we kind of were determined um, in our early years to take advantage of this really cool um, program that NASA had and, uh, you know, it was not what I expected it to be uh, in, in terms of zero gravity. I was expecting it to be like a roller coaster, uh, you know, where you kind of have butterflies all over the place and it's, you know, very fast paced wind in your face, although obviously it was an enclosed airplane. Um, and it wasn't like that at all. It was, it was peaceful. Um, and it, you know, I, I can't really describe how, how it felt because it was so surprising to me. Um, but uh, it was it was awesome, and I think we had I don't know probably a dozen different parabolas or so uh, that we were um, flying, and uh, you know each one was really awesome uh, to experience. And so I highly recommend it for all the students out there um, that Try. you know work work a little harder, you know, on your uh, on your senior project and uh, see if you can uh, get it accepted into this program uh, because it's a it was a once in a lifetime experience um, and really valuable. I'll let my colleagues know that I think that my senior thesis on uh, on you know the beginnings of the commercial space industry I need to write a little bit in zero gravity just to make sure that you know it'll be the same. <laughs> I think it'll be better if I write in zero gravity, and so maybe maybe I'll get to go that way. But um. That's awesome. Yeah, I would expect that it would be pretty scary. Um, I was kind of thinking, you know, it kind of does the parabolas and everything. And I was thinking about the Virgin Galactics, you know, Spaceship One, Spaceship Two that, you know, drops from the plane and then fires off and everything. And I was like, man, that's going to be terrifying when I do that. You know, I'm saying when I do that because I'm doing it no matter what. Yes. You know, even when I'm, I, even if I'm like 50 and by that time it's like, you know, buying a small car, then even if mm -hmm. it's then, I will do it, but I'm sure it'll be terrifying. <laughs> it will be. Oh, You'll be surprised. I hope not. My sister, she's like, she's like, what do you mean you're signing up to get in a rocket? Like, what if you, what if something goes wrong? And I'm like, I hope you think that I'm brave for trying to go to space. And she's like, I just, I think you're stupid. I'm like, come on. Like, this awesome, is, man. We, we have to go to space. So, but I thought that was fun. Yeah. Pro tip, if you uh, get the opportunity, take the nausea medicine. Nice. Good idea. <laughs> Good. Good. Awesome. Ooh. So you've kind of been all over the place. You've been, you were in Florida, and then I believe you went to USC. Is that correct? 
I did, but I was already working at JPL. So I went from Florida to MIT in Boston. Um, and then from there, I came out to JPL and I was I did my graduate work uh, at USC while I was working. Nice. You're a real underachiever. That's all I'm getting from you. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So, man, the, the world of space, as you've kind of joined it and everything, has changed a lot. So we've kind of gone from the shuttle era, which kind of, ended kind of around the Curiosity rover when that landed around mm -hmm. 2012. And now we've kind of moved into the commercial space age also with the Artemis program. So as space opens up for more and more customers and more and more companies with so many different things going on and competing, do you think the role of NASA and the role of JPL will change? Um, you know, not fundamentally. Uh, and so, you know, I'm fully supportive of all the commercial space work that is being done. I think it's awesome. Um, and, you know, I think as we move closer to humans, you know, returning to the moon or going to Mars and all of those things, um, I think JPL will still be primarily about robotic deep space exploration. And given that it will likely take my entire lifetime before we see humans uh, on Mars, you know, going to the next planet is going to take yet another lifetime. So, um, so, you know, I think that it, when we get to the stage where humans can be on Mars, JPL might be building the rovers that they drive, um, or, you know, little robotic assistants like the robo dog you were talking about for the, uh, the SpaceX uh, accident, or, you know, perhaps we'll be moving on and we'll have robots on Saturn instead. Um, so that's kind of, I think, where uh, JPL's charter is. Uh, and we really like to do one-of-a-kind missions. Uh, and so I think that that is, is in our culture. And I think there will always be a need uh, to keep going and to keep exploring new frontiers, uh, no matter what happens in the commercial world. Awesome. Yeah. And, you know, you're talking about, you know, robots on Saturn and everything. Saturn and the moons and Jupiter and the moons is probably my favorite part about space right now. Like about like the physical parts of space and everything like Titan and Europa. Those are probably my faves. Um, and I actually, I think, didn't you, you wrote a little something about the, the Cassini Huygens mission. Is that correct? That was a little while ago. I remember we talked about that, but. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, it was definitely many years ago. Uh, so I was lucky enough to start my career at JPL um, as part of the Cassini Huygens uh, mission to Saturn and Titan. Um, and uh, you know, that in and of itself was incredible to graduate college and then just tell people, Oh yeah, we're going to be at Saturn next year. That's what I do. Um, and so, you know, that was really, really cool. Um, and I think I wrote a couple of papers about my different jobs. Uh, so uh, the first job I had was about a year or so away from, uh, from Saturn orbit insertion. Uh, and we were trying to figure out exactly how we were going to turn all the hopes and dreams of the science team into reality. Uh, and, you know, it was a lot of um, working with them to figure out how to prioritize, how to, how to actually plan um, the observations and kind of divide up this limited time that we had to explore the Saturnian system. Uh, and so that was way more complicated than it sounds. Uh, I learned a lot about the different cultures of uh, science and engineering. You know, those scientists were passionate about every second that they were going to get, um, you know, in every flyby of the different moons and uh, and of Saturn and through the rings and all the different things that Cassini did. Um, so they were really passionate. And then the people who built the spacecraft back in the um, late 90s were equally as passionate about keeping the spacecraft safe. Um, so there was a lot of yin and yang that we had to work to you know, try to um, determine what was really safe um, and what would actually achieve the goals of the scientists. So that was my first job. Um, and then I transitioned onto the sequencing team and sequences are really all the commands that actually get sent to the computer uh, at Saturn and tell Cassini where to turn and when to take pictures and all of those types of things. Um, and so, uh, so that was 
kind of uh, an incredible job as well, uh, especially for someone who's uh, fairly fresh out of school. So I would, um, we got to the point where we could actually command from home because it, we would command at all hours of the, the day, uh, just depending on when the opportunity was to talk to Cassini. Um, and so I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna, you know, wake up from my bed here in Venice Beach, California and, you know, call someone and tell them to send the sequence that I built to Cassini. So I'm just gonna command from my bedroom. And so <laughs> now I think that's probably almost normal in our COVID era, but before, you know, 20 years ago, that yeah. was a, a pretty cool privilege that was uh, to be able to do that. So, um, so, you know, being part of that team um, was really, really, impactful for me, not just from really learning what JPL culture is all about in terms of the scientists and the engineers, um, but, you know, also just from, you know, being able to, to watch science happen. Um, and, you know, nobody ever knew much about Enceladus. Uh, and, you know, we didn't know very much about Titan and you know, being able to be in the room and watch the scientists as they're seeing the pictures of the plumes of Enceladus come back where it was just life-changing uh, and just a really, really, really awesome experience. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, that, that's so great. I love the, the Huygens like um, probe going into the atmosphere of Titan. I believe that is fantastic. I can't wait till we're, we're all, uh, you know, boating through the methane um, pools on Titan, the methane ponds or whatever they got going. Uh, mm -hmm. that'll, that'll happen in my lifetime, I'm sure. We'll be it there. might. It might. It might. I'm hoping. Uh, yeah. yeah, but we'll see. So I'm not even going to ask you the uh, why should it, um, or do you believe space exploration is important? You've already answered that. <laughs> An absolute no from you. Uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> but I will ask you, so why should people care about space exploration? Why should people watch Perseverance and why is the Cassini and important, you know, why should people care? Um, you know, we need to be able to really try to understand what the evolution of Earth is gonna look like. Um, and a lot of that can be answered by um, exploring the solar system. And so I think that, you know, that's kind of the big picture question that we're trying to understand is, you know, are, are there other systems out there that could have life? What do those look like? Was, was there life within our solar system and what happened to it? Um, and all of those questions can help us here on earth determine what we need to do to either take care of our earth to start to be able to have um, have habitats on other planets or other planetary bodies um, or just in space. Uh, so there's just so many things that as a humanity, you know, I think we need to, to expand our horizons and to understand what our options are and what we should do. And I think space exploration really helps uh, us answer those questions. Yeah, yeah, nice. I mean, I totally agree, obviously. I think it's important. I think that that question of, I think that's always the hardest question for me to answer when someone who doesn't really care about space that much, uh, they ask me like, why should I care? Or why should we go to space when we have like problems here on earth? And I think it's a valid question. And I think, you know, it's important for me to try to pull together all the opinions that I can to try to be able to answer that when that comes around. So that, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, that is a, a common thing. And as I've been reading, never read the comments, but I read some of the comments on some of the CNN posts and perseverance. And there was a lot of that, you know, oh, why did we do this? That's a lot of money we could have spent on earth. But if you, um, if you really look at the actual dollars that it costs um, and you don't talk about it in one big chunk and you look at it as a percentage of the, um, of the tax dollars, uh, it's really minuscule. Um, compared to uh, some of the other budget line items. So there's that. Um, but then there's also, you know, understanding that as we're answering these questions about the solar system, we are also answering questions about Earth and trying to be able to fix the 
big picture problems um, like climate change and those types of things. Uh, so, you know, I think it's hard for a person who feels like the government could do more for them at that minute to think about the government also having to be strategic uh, about the questions that it answers. But, uh, but I think that those things are equally as important. Um, so. Yeah, I totally agree. I think also the one that I think is forgotten is just like the pure inspiration that comes from these types of things. Like we just, it's something as humans that I think is fantastic, but in like the case of perseverance, um, like going to the moon, like it's just something that Americans also can like get behind together. Like we did that, like that's pretty cool. So I, I think that part's really important and it, it makes us shoot high. It makes people like you, you know, do these things and it's important. And I think that's awesome. So yeah, uh, lucky, uh, we had the privilege of uh, talking to President Biden yesterday. Uh, he talked to the Perseverance team in the control room and that was a lot of what he said as well is just, um, you know, how many young people we were able to inspire. Uh, and so it, it's awesome to have the privilege to do that. Yeah, and I think we, um, you know, I'm at my little internship for the Air and Space Museum, but I was helping uh, funnel questions from the Twitter page. And there was just a bunch of classrooms of students like sending in questions about, like there were thousands and thousands and thousands of questions about perseverance and what it's doing, like how big it is, what are the wheels and everything, how's it gonna land? And like, that's that's why it's important, I think, you know, because the more people you get interested in this, like they're, they're gonna be smart people. Like the interest in this like drives that um, ingenuity. <laughs> Um, but uh, I think it's gonna, you know, that that's to me is why it's important. But we got these people who are saying, you know, why are we doing this? And I don't think it's gonna change with this. But the question is, are you excited about the Mars and the moon missions? And I think people have the same reaction to perseverance as they do with going back to the moon and going to Mars. Um, but are you personally excited about like the future exploration, maybe human exploration of those two bodies in space? Oh, Absolutely. I mean, you know, one of the selfish reasons that I wanted to fly in the Vomit Comet was because I was like, okay, this is, you know, at least as close as I can get to going to space myself. And, um, you know, if we're able to um, kind of make getting out into outer space or going to the moon or Mars more accessible, not just for um, astronauts who are going to uh, answer science questions, but for anyone who happens to have uh, the the money, um, which hopefully you know it'll get down to the price of an airline ticket sometime in my lifetime. You know, I'm counting on that because I still want to go to space. Um, and uh, you know, Jennifer, we're setting up a GoFundMe. We're getting you there. Okay. Thank I'm you. Sure. Yes. I've told my kids that when they go, I'm going to be in their luggage. So um, that's that's my current plan. Um, but you know, I really, really want to be able to experience outer space and just to see the stars. I mean, it's got to be incredible. And to look back on Earth, oh my goodness, uh, it's definitely the stuff that dreams are made of, uh, and my dreams are still there. Uh, and so, because I think the the time and opportunity for me to be an astronaut definitely has passed. Um, and, uh, and so I'm pretty happy with uh, my career at JPL. Uh, so not looking to, uh, to make any changes there. Um, you know, commercial space is really what I've got left <laughs> to hope for. Uh, and so, you know, I'm, I think that, you know, people on the moon and, you know, maybe living there or setting up um, manufacturing stations to be able to go and explore, um, you know, all the uh, planets is going to be just awesome. Uh, it's going to make um, our opportunities and what we can do and what we can explore and what we learn just so much more. So I'm yeah. all for it. That's, that's great. My mother, um, my father asked her all the time. She's like, uh, you know, well, I asked my mother, I'm like, would you go to Mars if you, if you could? And she's like, yes, of course. And knowing my dad's like right next to her. And he's like, yeah, I know she'd go. Like she would leave. You know, we've <laughs> had like 20, 30 years together. Like she, she, she knows what it's all about. She'd be the first 10 people to go there. And she's like, she's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm prepared to die there. I'm like, okay, all right, that's interesting. But you know what? I love the intensity. It's great. Yeah. So, 
Jennifer, we've gotten through all the scary questions. Now it's all about having fun. I mean, the whole thing has been so much fun, but my, my first classic question is, um, if you could go to one place, you know, moons, planets, stars, black holes, where would you go in space? Hmm. So, uh, obviously I have a little bit of a bias to Saturn. I mean, it's just, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Uh, and just for, again, the pure beauty of it, uh, yeah. is enough to make me want to go there. Um, and I've also always loved the Horsehead Nebula. Uh, and it's just kind of been that random thing where, you know, the colors and the pictures and the intensity, um, were really just inspiring to me. Uh, and so I think if I had to choose, if I get to get on a spaceship that can go anywhere, uh, one of those two is going to be my destination. Nice. I like it. Both new. I haven't heard either one before. You know, I've said the moons of Saturn, but I've never said Saturn. So I like it. Mm. All right. The next wonderful question revolves around something you weren't so sure about when we talked, but now you say you have an answer. So okay. your favorite science fiction book or any or your favorite book at all and uh, why? Uh, so this is the question where I'm probably going to disappoint all your listeners and they're all going to be shaking their head like where did he find this girl. Um, but uh, I am not a science fiction fan. Uh, and I really have, you know, I, I started JPL and I had never watched an episode of Star Trek. And to join the team of engineers that I was working with. Oh, it was sacrilege. They were like, who is she and why is she here? You know, they were the, the people at the Vegas conventions um, in their Star Trek gear. So, um, so it was definitely uh, a new experience for me uh, to be part of that team. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely still a bit of a cultural uh, schism at JPL. There's definitely the diehard uh, science fiction fans, which is great, you know, I'm super, happy to hear people, you know, watch episodes of Star Trek and, you know, decide that's, that's where I want to be and dream big. And now we're, you know, making a lot of that a reality. Um, so that's great. I was always more into um, more historical accounts of space exploration. So, you know, things like hidden figures and the right stuff about astronauts. I really wanted to know about people's lives. Um, and I think that has actually been, um, you know, a really powerful motivator for me. I had my grandmother, but, you know, there were, were also people that I saw working at JPL and I was like, oh, maybe I could do that one day. Um, and, you know, same thing when you read about the astronauts, I needed to know that these people doing, um, you know, these incredible things were just as human as I was. Um, and I think that helped me really stay focused and never let go of my dreams. Um, and, you know, I hope that any of your listeners um, who are who still have written me off because I'm not a science fiction fan uh, still hear the message that, you know, I'm just a girl who grew up in Florida, uh, who, you know, focused and worked hard and had big dreams and, you know, was able to make it happen. And uh, they, you could be too. That's awesome. See, no, we've had, uh, this is an interesting thing because I've had a lot of people on and now I'm starting to get like a pretty good sample size of, you know, intelligent people working in the space industry and who watches or listens or reads science fiction and who doesn't. And it's kind of split. So, you know, I'm a Star Trek man. I, we, my brothers and sister, we watched the next generation like over break and it was fantastic. It's probably the best show I've ever watched. Um, <laughs> so I am partial. Um, but yeah, I do, you know, just as you read about those astronauts and everything, like a lot of my, my background is history. So I like tried to learn all about the, the different astronauts and everything. And, you know, it's kind of endless. You can kind of go forever, like learning about these people. And obviously this podcast is more about learning about the people and kind of what they do, but really how you got to where you are and try to show people that young people that they can do that too. And, you know, you're just a girl from Florida. That's a little you're underplaying yourself a little bit there. Okay. <laughs> Pretty impressive, but you know, that's a great message. So now I personally think that science fiction plays a, a, you know, a certain important role in inspiring people. And you definitely alluded to that too. 
Um, and you talk a little about Star Trek and how we're starting to make some of those things happen. And like Star Trek takes a look at what the future would look like, like back then. And now we kind of have a new understanding. And so my next question is, where do you think human beings will be in a hundred years in space? Like what will we be going on on the moon? What's going to be going on on Earth? Um, on Earth and the Mars? And are we going to be on Saturn? Like what you think? Yeah. Um, it's hard to estimate a hundred years. I think I have the goal to see humans on Mars before the end of my life and also to see commercial space because that's my jam, right? I want to, I want to go to space and they need to make it happen for me. And, you know, I've only got, you know, another 40, 50 years left. So that's the timeline they need to meet uh, in order to make my dreams come true. Um, so, you know, twice that, uh, you know, I definitely think that we'll probably have a hub on the moon, um, whether it's bringing resources from outer space back to earth or whether it's starting to, um, you know, to either bring robotic missions or bring humans or both um, kind of to some of the outer planets. You know, the hardest part about getting to space is really getting off of earth. And so, you know, being able to um, to use the moon or to use uh, other planetary bodies as kind of that, that new launch space, I think opens up a lot of uh, opportunities uh, for, you know, further exploration that we can't do because we're truly limited by gravity here. Uh, and so I think that in a hundred years, uh, we'll be there. Um, we might see it in my lifetime, we might not. Um, but uh, yeah, I think we'll be there. And I think we'll also have the ability for humans to just live in space. You know, we've, we've had people in the space station um, and, uh, you know, they, I think hundred days or so is about the, or one year I think is about the longest they've gone. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that we'll be able to have more habitats like that, um, that help us kind of create these clusters of space spaces <laughs> more or less uh, to be able to do our explanation, exploration. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I hope that comes true. I, you know, I, I, want a, I want a nice vacation to the moon. You know, I'm not, I'm not quite sure about living to the end of my days on Mars, but like, how about like a week on the moon, you know, jump around, hit a couple golf balls in honor of Alan B. Shepard. You know, that's what mm -hmm. I'm all about. But <laughs> Jennifer, this has been so fantastic. And I wish we had more time. Um, but we've come to the end and we've had, we thank you so much for being on our show. Do you have any ending words of wisdom for anyone um you know keep the dreams alive don't don't lose sight of uh of any big questions that you want to ask and uh you know know that in your lifetime if you focus on it you can open up the opportunities uh to be able to explore them uh and so you know dream big go big uh it's gonna be you know, the world is your oyster. So uh, I think a lot of people can can really make a huge impact uh, on humanity through space exploration. Yeah, sounded like MJ right there. Love it. <laughs> Jennifer, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I mean, we're definitely reaching back out to you. We need more of your wisdom, more of your experience. Um, so great to have you. Everybody who's listening, uh, you know, Follow us on uh, follow us on Instagram at Space Chams. We got plenty of fantastic guests, just like Jennifer, coming on, teaching you about the ways to live and about space exploration. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Remember to keep looking up.